Good morning. It's a joy and a blessing and honor for me to stand before you again this morning and bring you God's Word. And this morning, the Lord would like to speak to us from the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3. We are going to look at verses 1 to 11. Philippians chapter number 3, verses 1 to 11. The word of the Lord. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and grow in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. All men are like grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning and worship you through songs and present our prayers to you. And now, Lord, it's time for you to speak to us from your word. And we pray that may you do so. Thank you that, Lord, you've created us not to live on bread, on bread alone, but also on every word that comes from your mouth. We pray that, Lord, this morning may you feed our hungry souls with the bread of life, Christ himself. And Lord, we pray that uh, your word which you have given to us, which is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that Lord, through this word, you equip us for every good work, for your own glory. And Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable before you, our God and Redeemer in Christ Jesus. Amen. Some months ago, a friend of mine shared with me a video clip which was taken from a documentary by British Broadcasting Corporation, BBC. In this video clip, three men from the tribe of the Maasai in Kenya are in the bush, and then they encounter a lion, as a matter of fact, 15 lions who have just killed a buffalo. 
And then these three men then decide to intimidate the lions so that they can steal the meat from the lions. So side by side, they stand, three of them, and with confidence, march towards the lions. And surprisingly, indeed, the lions are afraid, and they flee from the meat. And one of the, one of the men casts the meat quickly and puts it on his shoulders, and with confidence, with his friends, side by side, march towards their home. And then the narrator of this uh, documentary makes this observation and says, self-confidence is everything. Well, it could be that self-confidence is everything, humanly speaking. But in our passage this morning, Apostle Paul is telling us that self-confidence is folly. Rather, confidence in Christ is everything. Just to provide a little background of our passage, Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, and in, verse three, in chapter 3 now, he writes to them, warning them, against false teachers. And he calls these false teachers the ones who put confidence in the flesh. And also in verse 2 he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now Apostle Paul does not tell us who these false teachers were. But basing on this description, we know that these false teachers are similar to those that we read of in the book of Galatians. But also they are similar to those that we read of in the book of Acts, especially chapter 15. These false teachers were the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were Jewish Christians who would go to Gentiles, Christian, to Gentile Christians and say, well, you have believed in Christ. That is good, but that is not enough. You also need to observe the law of Moses. You also need to be circumcised for you to be true Christians. And, and Paul opposed them and Barnabas, and eventually Paul took the matter to the first church council that we find in Acts chapter number 15. And the first church council condemned the Judaizers and said that faith in Christ is enough for our salvation. So Paul here writes and warns and says, be aware, watch for these false teachers who come to you and say, well, you need to be circumcised for you to be a true Christian because we are, then he's telling the people who have believed in Christ, we are the circumcision, we are the true Christians, because we do not put our confidence in the flesh. So this morning, with the help of the Lord, I would like us to focus on our passage. You notice that Apostle Paul is highlighting three marks of a true Christian. In verse 3 he says, for we are the circumcision. First, we worship by the Spirit of God. And second, we glory in Christ Jesus, and third, we put no confidence in the flesh. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I would like us to reflect on the last mark of a true Christian, the one who does not put confidence in the flesh. And the title of our message is The True Christian's Confidence. And we are going to look at three points. First, the knowledge of Christ. Second, the righteousness of Christ. And third, the power of Christ. The true Christian's confidence, the knowledge of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, and the power of Christ. First, the knowledge of Christ. Please look at verses 3 up to 8a. Apostle Paul says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had counted, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul here is giving us his CV as it were. He's explaining who he is, who he was, especially before he knew Christ. The thing that he put his confidence in. The thing that made him proud. But then he says, when he came to know Christ, he considered all these things that he was proud of as nothing, as loss. He transferred his confidence from these things to confidence in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now, what does Apostle Paul mean by saying, knowing Christ? Well, Apostle Paul does not mean to know about Christ. There are so many people in this world today, including Muslims, who know many things about Christ. Many people who know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Many people who know that Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. Many people who know that Christ rose from the dead on the third day. There are so many people, even though they do not believe these things, they know about them. And they can share them with you. So that's not what Paul means. Paul is not talking about the intellectual knowledge of Jesus Christ. But rather what Apostle Paul means here is the personal and experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul, what he means is that I know Jesus Christ personally. I have an experience with him. I know him. And I believe the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one explains very well what it means to know Christ. When it asks, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. Friends, this is what it means to know Christ. That I know that I'm not my own, but I belong to Jesus Christ, both body and soul. And that my life is full in his hands, and there's nothing that happens to me which he does not control. Everything is perfectly in his hands. That's what it means to know Christ. I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me, says Apostle Paul. That's what it means to know Christ. I know him personally. I have experiential knowledge of this Savior. And when Paul knew Christ in this way, he said, I considered everything that I was proud of as nothing, as loss. I believe the hymn writer was right when he said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we know Christ, friends, whatever things we counted as worthy in our lives, they become nothing compared to our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now here in these verses that we have read, notice three things that Paul used to put his confidence in. 
The first thing that Paul used to put his confidence in was his pedigree, his family tree. Apostle Paul, in verse, in verse 5, he says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, or the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Apostle Paul says, you know, I used to put confidence by being one of the people of Israel. These people that God chose for himself to be his covenant people. Of all the nations in this world, there's only one nation that God chose, the nation of Israel. And I come from this nation. And I used to be proud of belonging to this nation. So he goes on to say, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, there are many things that can be said about the tribe of Benjamin, but one of the things that Paul would be proud probably for being of the tribe of Benjamin was that the Benjaminites were known to be great warriors and great soldiers. You remember in Genesis 49 when Jacob was blessing his children, when it came to Benjamin, he said that Benjamin is a wolf who goes out to conquer in the morning and enjoys the, the spoils in the evening. The Benjaminites were great soldiers and great warriors. And in Judges chapter 20, we read that uh, men from this tribe, most of them were left-handed, and they would sling a stone, even at a single hair, and never miss it. This is how great they were as warriors. And Paul said, I, put my, I used to put my confidence in that, or this tribe of Benjamin. But also the tribe of Benjamin. Children, you remember the first king of Israel. Where did he come from? Which tribe? It was the tribe of Benjamin. And probably Saul, Paul, whose name Paul is a Greek one, and Saul is Hebrew, was named after the first king of Israel, King Saul. And Paul was proud of his tribe. But also Paul says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now we do not know exactly what Paul means by this Hebrew of Hebrews, but commentators do agree that probably here Paul is focusing more on his parents, that both of his parents were Hebrews. Now at this time it was very, it was very common to have maybe one parent a Jew and another parent from a different nation. Like uh, Timothy, Timothy, his father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew. But here Paul says, both my parents are Hebrews. I'm not a half Jew. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. And these are the things that I use to put my confidence in, my family tree. But now I consider all this as loss. Friends, this is very important for us today especially in this time, especially here in America, where people, the issues of race, now I'm using race as we use it in our day-to-day -day language, but really the Bible tells us there's only one race, the human race. When the issues of race, nationalities are making headlines almost each and every day. And sometimes it's sad to hear Christians, what they say and what they write about these things. And sometimes, you know, people arguing, Maybe one race, one tribe, one nation is better than another. You know what? The reason is because we are putting confidence in the flesh. We have not known Christ as Apostle Paul knew Christ. When Apostle Paul knew Christ, he no longer put confidence in his family tree. He no longer put confidence in his nation. But he put all his confidence in Christ. When Apostle Paul knew Christ, he understood that there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male or female, for you are all one in Christ 
Jesus. That's what it means when we put our confidence in Christ. And second, notice that Apostle Paul used to put confidence in his performance. Again, we, verse 5 at the very beginning, circumcised on the eighth day. And then we skip some of those things that we have already discussed as, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. There was no person in Israel who was more religious than a Pharisee. And Paul was proud of his performance. As a matter of fact, he goes back even to the very beginning to the performance of his parents. On the eighth day, as God had commanded, his parents dedicated him to the Lord and he was circumcised on the eighth day. But that's not that. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a very religious person, very devoted to God. But that's not all. Because he was very zealous, he looked at Christianity as an enemy to his true religion, and therefore he persecuted the church. To him, Christians were enemies that were to be dealt with. And with zeal, he persecuted the people of God. But on that day, when Apostle Paul was going to Damascus, to persecute the church there, he met the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And his eyes were opened. And he transferred his confidence from being a Pharisee to knowing Christ. All his performance came crumbling. He realized that there is nothing, not even what he has done as a Pharisee, that would earn him a place before God. Apostle Paul understood, as the hymn writer put it, not what my hands have done can serve my guilty soul. Not what my toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole. Not what I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful Lord. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Paul knew Christ, and once he knew Christ, he no longer put confidence in his performance. And lastly, notice that Apostle Paul, when he knew Christ, he no longer put confidence in his purity. You notice there, at the very end of chapter 5, he said, chapter 6 rather, at the very beginning, as righteousness under the law, blameless. Apostle Paul was blameless, blameless before the law. That's what he says. Now we know that God gave the Ten Commandments as the, as the summary of the moral law, but the Pharisees would go further. They developed other commandments based on God's word, and they were more than 600 commandments that they were supposed to keep. And Apostle Paul says you would take this chart of 600 commandments and put it side by side with Apostle Paul, and you would check each and every commandment, 600 of them, Paul kept each one of them faithfully. He was blameless before the law. Of course, we know that Apostle Paul was a sinner. But when Apostle Paul knew Christ, he realized that he was a sinner. He was not blameless as he thought. Because let I confess, this is a faithful, faithful saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. When Paul knew Christ, he understood that he was not blameless, but he was the chief of sinners. 
Friends, that's exactly what happens to us. The more we know Christ, the more we realize that we are the chief of sinners. There is no single man, there is no single woman who knows Christ and can boast of his purity before God. And that's what Paul says, when I knew Christ, I considered all these things as loss. He no longer put his confidence in his CV, but rather he put his confidence in the knowledge of Christ. When Apostle Paul knew Christ, he did not only put his confidence in the, in the, knowledge, in the knowledge of Christ, but also, secondly, as we notice here, he put his confidence in the righteousness of Christ. And you look at verse 8b and 9, he says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order, that I may know, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here, Apostle Paul tells us that when he knew Christ, he transferred his confidence from all these things to the righteousness of Christ. Now, children, we often use this word, righteousness, but what we really mean by righteousness, basically righteousness means doing what is right in the sight of God. And Apostle Paul says that he used to put his confidence in his efforts to do what is right before God. He thought he could earn God's grace by doing right things before God. But he realized that there's no way he could do that but rather to transfer his confidence to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Paul here gives us two reasons why he puts his confidence in the righteousness of Christ. The first thing that he tells us is that he puts his confidence in the righteousness of Christ rather than in his own righteousness, because his own righteousness is the rubbish. That's what he says there. I consider them as rubbish. And here the word used for rubbish literally means something to be thrown away because it is worthless, because it's a waste. And Paul says, I no longer cling to my own righteousness because it's something that is to be thrown away. It's useless. It is dying, as one of the versions puts it. And Paul says, no longer in that. I've thrown it away, but rather I'm putting my confidence in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And here we are reminded of the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 64. As Isaiah is writing there, the people of Israel are confessing their sins before God, and this is what they say, we have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. Here Paul understands that his own righteousness is like filthy rags before God. It is disgusting to God. God cannot even dare to look at that. And he cannot be accepted by that. So Paul here, he throws it away. He trashes it away so that he can gain the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's the second thing that he, he points out. Because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is pleasing to God. That's what he says there as we read 
In verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. You notice that he emphasized on faith two times in that verse. Because here Paul understands as Hebrew 11, verse 6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. Paul knew that it's only when he has received this righteousness by faith of Christ that he will be accepted, that he will please God. And Paul stretched out his hand of faith and received this righteousness. And there when he did that, he was pleasing before God. So notice that this righteousness, as Paul writes there, righteousness from God, it comes from God himself. And everything that can be said about God can also be said of this righteousness. God does not change, so his righteousness does not change. God is eternal, so his righteousness is eternal as well. When God has declared us righteous in Christ Jesus, when we have received this righteousness by faith, it will never change. There is nothing that can change this righteousness. It is ours forever. Not even our own sin can change the righteousness of Christ in our lives. Once you have been declared righteous, we are justified forever in Christ. Of course, our sin will displease the Lord. We, we may not enjoy that fellowship with, with God when there is sin in our lives. But God can never, ever change his mind. Once he has declared us righteous, we are righteous forever. And Paul here says, I put my confidence in this righteousness from God. Oh, friends, what a comfort this is. Because all of us, we know we sin against our Lord daily. But we don't have to be justified daily. He has justified us once for all. He has declared us as righteous. And that is the reason for our confidence to approach the throne of God. Because we know that as we go there, God looks at us and sees this righteousness of Christ. And listens to our prayers and listens to our confession. Because he has given it to us once for all. So here Paul tells us that a true Christian's confidence lies in the righteousness of Christ. And lastly, Paul says, a true Christian put his confidence in the knowledge of Christ, in the righteousness of Christ, and lastly, in the power of Christ. Again, you look at verse 10 and 11, Apostle Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul here focuses on the power of Christ and focuses on one particular incident in the life of Christ which demonstrates this power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want to experience this power. I'm putting my confidence in this power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And again, notice two things that he says about this power of Jesus Christ. The first thing that he tells us is that this power of Christ sustains us in our suffering. He says there that as he 
he's experiencing this power of Christ. He's going to experience it more especially when he's passing through the sufferings in this world, as he's sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Apostle Paul is looking at the life of Christ. From the very beginning, he was a man of sorrows. He suffered many things, as we saw last Sunday morning. He was tempted. He was tried. He faced many trials and suffering in this world. He was disowned by his own family, by his own best friend. He was betrayed by one of his friends. And Jesus Christ also confessed that he was homeless. When he said, foxes have holes, bells of their have nets, but the Son of Man has nowhere where to lay, he said, and the climax of it all was on the cross when he suffered there. But you know, all through all that, it is this power that sustained him to the very end. And this power on the third day made him rise from the dead and lives forevermore. And Paul says, I wo- that's where I'm placing my confidence in the power of Christ that is able to see me through all the suffering in this world. Apostle Paul is reminded of the words of Christ. In this world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Friends, I know that in a group like this one, there are so many people passing through difficult trials and suffering, and I cannot even imagine your trials. However, God's word assures us the power of Christ will sustain us in our suffering. And this power of Christ will see us to the end, just as he saw Christ to the end. Be of good cheer, my friend. Christ has overcome the world. And that power is yours if you put your confidence in him. And last we notice here, Paul says that this power of Christ will resurrect us on the last day. He said that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, Christ Jesus can come anytime. Christ can come even as I'm talking right now. But if the Lord tallies and we all die, a day is coming when this King of glory will come and the trumpet shall be sound and His power we resurrect our dead bodies and not just resurrect them, but transform them to be glorified bodies, to be the most beautiful bodies that you and I have ever seen. And these glorified bodies will be united to our souls and Christ will present us before his Father without any blemish. He will present us before his Father sinless in our glorified bodies. And this will be possible because of this power. And it is ours in Christ. And on that day, as we stand in these glorified bodies after we've been resurrected, never again will we experience sin. Never again will we experience sorrows. Never again be afraid of sicknesses in this world. Never death again. 
And on that day, we'll join Apostle Paul, as in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 57, and declare with Apostle Paul with confidence, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is defeated once for all, complete defeat. When this body that is perishable shall put on an imperishable body. When this immortal body, then when this mortal body shall put on immortality. And on that day we shall stand and praise the Lord for the power of Christ that raised him from the dead. And because of that, Paul says, I put my confidence in the power of Christ. And blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, and blessed is the young person who does not put his confidence in the flesh, but puts his confidence in the knowledge, in the righteousness, and in the power of Christ. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that uh, you help us each and every day to consider these things of the world as loss. And as we grow more and more in our knowledge of Christ, help us to put confidence in the righteousness of Christ, in his power. To know, as we have already sung, that all other ground is seeking sand. And only Christ is the solid rock that we can stand on forever and ever. Pray for my friend who might be here this morning. And he doesn't know you, Lord. Pray in your mercy and in your grace. May you pour out your grace to him. That he too, like Apostle Paul would say, I consider all loss for the sake of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's respond to the word of God by singing as you stand. We'll sing Not in Me, which is the song we introduced during the offering. of sins I have not done, no list of virtues I pursue, no list of those I am not like, can earn myself a place with you. My weary Lord was born by him, and he alone can give me rest. My Righteousness is not in me, but only you. No humble dress, no fervent prayers, no lifted hands, no tearful songs, no recitation of the truth. 
can justify a single wrong. My righteousness is Jesus' life. My debt was paid by Jesus' death. My weary Lord was born by Him, and He separation from the world no work I do no gift I give can cleanse my conscience cleanse my hands I cannot cause my soul to live but Jesus died and rose again the power of death is overthrown my God is merciful to me and merciful in Christ alone. My righteousness is Jesus' life. My debt was paid by Jesus' death. My weary load was borne by Him and He Beloved in Christ, receive the benediction of the Lord. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>